Hi, my name is Holly Bennett. I'm talking to you today about social media good for democracy. But before I get started on that, I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself. I'm a mother of four, a surgical technologist in the operating room, and I'm going back to school for my RN. You may ask how I fit into talking about social media and democracy. I would have to say you have no idea the conversations that we have working in the operating room. We have many sides of the aisles, including Democrats, Republicans, liberals, and conservatives. When the 2020 election was happening, I heard people arguing or debating about things that they have heard on social media. They were talking like they were all truth, not opinion. Then I got assigned to this project in my English 1010 class, where I have to watch a debate and pick a side. You guessed it. The discussion was, is social media good for democracy? I found out that Facebook has two platforms or two sides. This is called the red feed and the blue feed. An example of this is why every American should look at the blue feed and the red feed. In May of 2016, in this article they say, to demonstrate how reality may differ from Facebook users, the Wall Street Journal created two feeds, a blue feed and a red feed. If the source appeared in the red feed, most of the article shared if the source appeared in the red feed, most of the articles shared from the source were classified as very conservatively aligned. In a large 2015 Facebook study, for the blue feed, the majority of each source's article aligned very liberally. These articles intended to resemble actual individual news feeds. Instead, they're a rare side-by-side -side look at the real conversations from different perspectives. I couldn't believe what I was reading, and it started making sense to me. I could begin to understand why they may be bickering back and forth about one subject that they may have read about. The same thing, but in two different sides. Another thing that should be brought to, up to our attention is in the 2020 election, the social media removed the President of the United States from their platforms. It should not matter what side of the aisle you were on. To ban a president is not suitable for democracy. The next topic I would like to bring up is how social media dealt with the COVID-19 pandemic. From the perspective of working in healthcare, this is a complicated subject to touch base on, but it has to be said that social media didn't help with this matter. Initially, even when the hospital didn't fully understand how we were going to deal with this new virus, social media was selling fear to the public when we, when we needed to be united as a country. A quote in the debate, social media is good for democracy, from Roger McLean, regarding the study from MIT states, information gets sent out 70% farther and six times faster than facts. This couldn't stand more true than during the pandemic. The data that was being pushed around with no sources or fact-checking at all. On top of that, more people were using social media to stay up to date with the news and current events. This is up to 36% across the board globally got this information from how the pandemic changed the way people were using social media from January 10th of 2021. Manumar is my next topic. Back in November of 2018, Manumar Community 
standards made it okay to prosecute a religious community leading up to about 9,000 killed. Classic ethnic cleansing enabled by Facebook and used 43,000 missing parents presumed dead. In January of 2021, Manumar disconnected its social media again due to the civil unrest in the region. With this reason being, the people who were troubling the country's stability are the misuse of social media, people spreading fake news and misinformation. According to the NetBlocks, which is an online monitoring system, Manumar restricted Facebook, Instagram, Messenger, the WhatsApp. These are some of the more popular platforms in the region. And this is what people were trying to use to get around the blocking order by Manumar. And this that they put into effect. Facebook was urging authorities to restore their platform so the families could keep in touch on these pressing times. Facebook is a crucial communication for businesses and government, but in this trying time, it's being used for hate speech and disinformation. My last topic is the addictive nature of social media. Psychology of social networks and what makes us addicted says that nearly 72% of online adults are social media an average of 23 hours a week, which is just as much as a part-time job. Several things that make people addicted to social media include social validation, the fear of missing out, ego, and brain chemistry. It affects your brain directly by seeing a positive message or someone giving you a like and it literally raises your dopamine levels. If you get a like and a mention, the brain just keeps getting a rush of dopamine causing the person to receive pleasure. As this cycle continues with little to no effect, it makes people always wanting more likes, retweets, and emoticon reactions. But we are not responsible for this all. Social media itself is also to blame. They encrypt encrypt things like pack rats into your servers that watch your every move, tracing your keystrokes to keep you on their platforms longer. But they also put things into effect like refreshing by pulling down on your screen. This works much like slot machines. I think Roger McLean said this best. Manipulation of the user is the goal. Undermining democracy is just a side effect. I had some people write in some questions for me that I could answer on the show for you. Aubrey asked, how do you think teenagers with social media are going to handle the politics and voting? I think my answer would be, I am concerned about the role that teenagers have in voting for they are easily persuaded by what they read on social media. And this is for so many resources. And I think that they like some adults, we need to rely more on the news feeds and debates and a little less on the opinions on social media. Jason asked, how can social media be good for democracy when one side of the aisle, such as former former President Trump, gets blocked heavily by social media? I actually agree with this statement. I did some research about the former President Trump and being blocked out and some of him permanently removed from his platforms like Twitter, Facebook, 
Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube, TikTok, and Reddit, and many others. Then there's platforms like GoFundMe, PayPal, Give, Send, Go, and Stripe blocked political funds from the Trump campaign. Google blocked political ads from the Trump campaign. This can't be good for democracy. Patty asks, how well do you think that social media is fact-checking their political propaganda? This is an excellent question, but it's also very hard to answer. I personally don't feel that they do a great job with fact-checking, but I also don't know how you could do this in a fair and unbiased way. Do we ask the platforms themselves to try to check, or should we try to bring in more government to do this? I truly don't feel that there's a good answer to this question. All companies have their own political agenda, and fact-checkers employed by them will follow suit. More government involvement is also not the answer, because we don't want a reproduction of China's social media platform. They are completely a government-run and very one-sided, designed to stifle any opposition to their government's beliefs. This is the polar opposite of the definition of democracy. Then I had a question asked from Bill. He says, do you think that social media should stop or block all political posts? And if so, how can that be good for democracy? I don't feel that social media should be involved in politics. I believe that you should get your political information from accredited source outlet like a debate or accredited news source. This falls back with what I said before. I really don't think that there's a good way for social media to fact check their information. This is why I feel that social media is just not very good for democracy. To conclude this podcast today, I would like you to think about how you and possibly your kids use social media. Do you think what you are doing and what you're reading Keeping in mind that it is based on what you like, not all facts. Is that truly good for democracy? Do you really feel that you are getting the most truthful information from your social media feeds? Knowing what you know now about Myanmar, COVID, and the addictive nature of social media and cell phones. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, thanks.